Happy Tuesday, happy Tuesday, and happy early 4th of July to everybody. This is Uproot On Air, brought to you by East Broadcast Network, EBN, in association with Uproot INC and King and Foster King Intermessive Services. And I am your host, Antoine Dean. And today we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to get back into some information further on Antoine Rose and his case and what's uh, happened since uh, last week. And we're going to get into, go back into misinformation versus information. We're going to go back and talking about that. And then we're going to talk about, we got an event coming up um, on July 28th in Columbus, Georgia. I'm going to get into details and give you the details for that. And then um, the last topic we're going to talk about fighting with the police. Uh, there's a lot of social media videos going out of people getting into altercation with the police. Uh, we're going to get right into it after this short break. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. And we are going to just jump right back into it. Now, everybody knows what's been going on in the news with what happened with the young man, the tragic situation that happened in Pittsburgh. And uh, the gentleman that shot Antoine Rose, the uh, police officer. The last week's information, Antoine Rose, you know, they gave a little bit more information about the case. And last week also, he was laid to rest. So our condolences to his family in their time of need. Now, the officer who shot Antoine Rose has been identified as 30-year-old Michael Rosenfield. He was charged with criminal homicide, which is uh, murder, which would be considered murder. Now, they showed through an investigation that Michael originally testified that he saw Antoine with something black in his hand. That's what, that's what he was originally saying. And then he uh, turns around again and says that he did not see anything in Antoine's hands as he started to run away. Now, the last interview that was conducted by the, uh, the police department and the investigators working the case, he says that he couldn't remember if Antoine had anything in his hands at all. Now, these are the words from um, the district attorney, the court attorney, who's actually filing charges against uh, that officer. His name is uh, District Attorney Zappala. He says, it's an intentional act, and it was done recklessly. And there is no justification for it. Uh, Zappala said Rose was unarmed and did not pose a threat when he fled from the car. He goes on to say that Rose shows his hands, turns, and runs. He is not in possession of a weapon. And he also goes to say that there were too many inconsistencies in regards to Rosenfield's testimony. Now, you know he has an attorney. His name is Patrick Thomasy which is Rosenfeld's attorney. And his argument is that he says he doesn't see 
how Rose's death is a murder case. So, there were several things that I want to point out about that before we go into Rosenberg's, Rosenfield himself's history. Now, the district attorney says that his act was intentional. That is important. That means he made an intentional act to shoot that young man, not out of fear, not out of coercion. He didn't say, I feared for my life like you've heard so many of those other officers say. He actually intended to do something because he had no reason, no justification, and he was reckless. So those are three key things that we have to start pointing out when officers are committing these crimes of murder, that the act was intentional and that was done recklessly and that there's absolutely no justification. There is no room for error here. He can't say he feared for his life. He was so far away. He was running away. He didn't have a reason for shooting this young man. Now, a dig into the guy's history, the officer or a former officer, he's been in several police departments. Now, that doesn't mean a bad thing because you've been in several police departments. But his reason for being in several police departments, because he was actually about to get terminated from the University of Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, University of Pittsburgh, for, again, discrepancies in a testimony that he gave under oath in the 2017 arrest. So he was allowed to quit his job so that he could be able to find another job, which is a common practice that law enforcement has. If, and that sometimes I don't understand why they do it, especially in the case when the officer lies under oath. He should be getting charged for that. But every state has its own laws and um, their counsel who recognizes his post-certification. They have different criteria on what they consider to be uh, terminatable or you not to be able to practice in law enforcement. But he's worked for several other police departments before he came to this police department. So he has a history and there's also some talk that he has some other history um, of discrepancies and, and mishandling. But that type of person should have never been a police officer in the first place. And that's what we have to start doing. We have to show that their intent was to commit a crime, that they were negligent or they did the act with no justification. All of those things have to come in play. I hope, our hope here at Uproot is that Antoine Rose family receives the justice that they deserve. And we'll be back after this break. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. And we just got through discussing some updates on the Antoine Rose case and the officer who actually shot and murdered the Antoine Rose. And he is um, being charged with criminal homicide, which is murder. Now, I want to get into a topic we get into all the time. We talk about misinformation versus information or information versus misinformation. And this time I want to talk about a little bit about the Antoine Rose case and how uh, a traffic stop goes when you're dealing with that type of a stop. So based on the Antoine Rose crate, granted, when you receive a call about a drive-by shooting, it puts you on a heightened alert. Your job is to find the vehicle and stop another potential threat or shooting. If contact is made with the vehicle, you approach it using a felony traffic stop technique. Now, most departments have a traffic stop 
for this kind of situation. Another kind of situation would be like an armed robbery with a bunch of people in the vehicle or just one person or a murder suspect. That's what I mean by felony traffic stop or uh, drugs or, or something pertaining to that. Those are the type of stops that you approach not in the usual manner. You would give more caution to this type of a situation. More officers are also needed when you're dealing with a, a felony traffic stop. The suspect or suspects would generally be handled in a manner to bring the suspects out of the car one by one. And you do this while you're at a safe distance and in a position for law enforcement officers to be able to view their entire body. So you're gonna bring them out of the vehicle and you wanna see if they have a weapon on them. So there's various things that you tell them to do to be able to get a better uh, view of if the person has some type of weapon on them. Now the suspects would be laid on the ground or some other type of manner. And then you would do a thorough systematic search and you would do that until every suspect was outside of that vehicle on the ground and in handcuffs. And you generally want to do this when you have more than one officer. You would not try to do this type of situation by yourself. And I know some departments, again, you know, have officers that do that. But no officer would approach the vehicle by themselves or period when you're conducting this traffic stop. All the suspects are removed one by one and you use your words to give them the type of commands to have them come out as you have them do whatever it is you're asking them to do, which is generally turn around and put your hands up or whatever the case may be and get on the ground and face this way and that way. And then you would bring them to you or bring them to an officer who's um, gonna be doing those type of searches or officers. And you continue to conduct that traffic stop until you have safely moved again, everybody and search them to determine if they are the people you're looking for. And if they're not, then you give them a an apology and you let them go and it so happens it is the people that you're looking for well then you know what happens next you start your investigation afterwards you get them down to whatever jail or precinct that the investigator who's working the the uh, case is going to be talking to them so that's how that happens now if anyone in the units and now if any of the suspects in this case starts to run no one breaks from the felony traffic stop to chase because you don't know who's still in that vehicle. You don't know how dangerous the people are inside the vehicle. You don't have to have weapons. You just don't know. So you continue to conduct that traffic stop, um, excuse me, traffic stop until again, you have removed everybody from that vehicle. Now, if, if that person does run or somebody runs or all of them run, you might still have somebody in the car, so you still have to conduct that traffic stop. You, know, you can have other units dispatched that are free in the area who are not on that traffic stop, and you would give the last location known of the people running, and you give as much of the description of that suspect as you possibly can. Color, clothes, um, male or female, height, generally, you know, what race they are or gender again, male or female, and then that's how that generally goes. Now, unless the suspect turns around and he has a weapon or a firearm, if he has a knife, he's so far away, 
risking that, I wouldn't. You would deal with that person differently. But you could if you needed to. Your gun is already aimed out because you're going to be taking precautions. And unless that person turns around with a firearm and, and, and points it in your direction, there is no reason to shoot that person. If he starts to run, there's no grounds for shooting that person. Let that person run and get another unit to go, get units to go take care of that. Or could finish the traffic stop and then go search for the person that ran or persons that ran. Again, your duty weapon is going to already be out. And people do run from the police all the time. I don't know how many people have ran from me when I worked in Metro Atlanta. And if you're conducting that traffic stop and it's the passenger, you let the passenger go. You already got the driver of the vehicle. You pull the person over because of the driver's actions, not because of what the passenger is doing most of the time. Now, this is a... Again, this is the framework for most felony traffic stops. This is based on location and department. Sometimes it's tweaked a little bit, uh, depending on where you are again. Again, sometimes it doesn't even happen at all. Some officers rush up and try to do it all by themselves. And I don't specifically know if this was the case with the Antoine Rose case, if they did a traffic, a felony traffic stop or not. It, haven't got that information or yes I unless I haven't seen any information on what type of traffic stop it was. It appeared based off of the information was given that it was just two officers and one guy rushed up and started trying to handcuff one person or one person pulled one of them out of the vehicle. And if that's the case that might be how they do it. But typically when you know that you have more than uh, one person or two people in the vehicle and you've got an armed suspect possibly you do a felony traffic stop. Now this could be a training issue in these police departments, these smaller police departments, if they're not using this, this training uh, situation, because most major police departments have some form of a felony traffic stop. Sometimes just it's just the officers getting excited or overzealous and get themselves in a situation that they do not have to be in. And again, that's a training issue. And we'll be back after the break. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. Now, we have an event we got coming up on July the 28th. It's at 3 p.m., and it's going to be to 4 o'clock, and it's going to be in Columbus, Georgia. And the name of the event is going to be called Stay Informed. And it is an interactive question and answer session about the best practices when you encounter the police. The event is targeting our youth, but we encourage the adults to also come. Well, most of the time you got to bring the youth anyway, but <clears throat> reaching our youth is, is very critical. Getting them to see how law enforcement works, also getting them early, showing them better options, giving them the truth about um, law enforcement, and talking to them about their behaviors. Some of their behaviors can be detrimental to um, them. You, you know how our kids can be, you know. We tell them to do stuff and then they don't want to listen to us. So getting them to understand that when they're in front of the police and they're having those bad behaviors or displaying those behaviors that could um, potentially cause them to get slammed on the ground, tased, pepper sprayed, hit with an ass baton, or even in some cases shot, 
we want to steer clear of those types of situations. So the program is designed to talk to the youth about how law enforcement works and what are the do's and don'ts when you encounter the police. Those are key topics along with some scenarios that we're gonna put them in to get them to understand what can happen in this scenario and how um, emotional and intense it can be. So that's going to be at the Metropolitan Baptist Church, which is on 1635 Fifth Avenue, which is in Columbus, Georgia. And it's going to be hosted by G. Smoove of the radio station down there. Uh, And I'm going to be your... um, speaker, your um, person giving all the instructions. (laughs) So come out again. That's going to be July 28th. It's going to be 3 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. And that's going to be at the Metropolitan Baptist Church. We're going to have a, it's probably going to go over four, but four o'clock is the time limit. We're actually going to be doing the question and answer session, but we're going to be getting a little bit more informal and a little bit more intimate after four a little bit more close up and more questions and get a little bit more in depth but we really need you guys to come out this will be the first one for columbus and we're hoping to have a bunch of them in columbus in the near future we're going to start having more programs in atlanta and the surrounding areas we want to reach all of our kids and we also want to reach the adults so we can start giving you the tools that you need so that when you're encountering law enforcement, you understand what's going on. Because the misinformation about pol- what police actually can do is the problem. If you have never been a law enforcement officer and you have never practiced any form of law, then you just really don't know what the police can do. And those videos that are circulating through TV, through the news and on social media aren't always accurate. So come out, have a good time, learn a lot. Again, Metropolitan Baptist Church, 1635 Fifth Avenue in Columbus, Georgia. You guys come out and stay informed and we'll be back after the break. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. And I hope you enjoyed that song by Prince. Uh, I adore you. That's one of my favorite songs, and he is one of my favorite artists, and he is missed thoroughly. All right, the last topic we want to get into is fighting the police. I have seen so many videos circulating on social media websites lately. I try to stay current on all the events that's going on so that we can start educating people on police brutality, what is and what's not police brutality. But you've got a lot of people out there posting videos where they're fighting officers. Now, social media and the news period has just exaggerated this whole thing since 2014. And first, let me say, people in the police have been going at it for as long as we've had them in our neighborhoods. Back from the civil rights beyond up until now. So it's not anything new that we have a problem with police. What's new is how they're displaying it as if it is an epidemic. And they just recently had some article come out, supposedly by the Washington Post and the New York Times, by some Harvard uh, guys who did a 
study saying that there's no disparity between police killings and racial and any race or the black race of black people. And it just got into saying that based off of their statistical data that they never broke down, but they talked to some people in Kansas or something like that. Um, but they never talked to the people who it actually supposed to affect it about whether they thought that there was some racial disparity between the police and um, black people. So they're telling you one thing. Yeah, there's a bunch of police shootings going on. They put it on TV almost every day. It's always something since 2014. But then they come out with this survey saying it's not. So they need to take more responsibility for the information that they're putting out. We know that there's a problem, but it's not something that's new. We also know that the media is displaying it as if it is an epidemic when it's not. But the problem is, is that they're not showing everything. Police officers around the country are not just shooting black people. And it's unjustified. They're also shooting people that look like themselves on each side of the playing field, either black, white, purple, or gold, Hispanic, Italian, whatever the case may be. And that's where the issue comes in at because they're only displaying that side of it. But people fighting the police is still a part of the problem. Nobody likes to be the citizen getting beat up excessively by the police. And it's not fun when a police officer gets into a fight with a citizen. It's actually the citizens are going to get more in problems with the police than the police brutality because he's going to say that it was necessary and they're going to do a big investigation to find out whether or not it was necessary or not. And in some of these cases, we're seeing that it isn't because of what the actions of the people are doing according to the reports that's been placed out. And I can tell you why that is, is because people are actively fighting the police. And what I mean, not physically fighting, but if you're not doing exactly what that law enforcement officer is telling you to do, then they can do what it's called, you can use use of force. Use of force is used to gain control or to affect the rest. And guess how that's done? It's through compliance, through pain techniques. So if you see an officer struggling with somebody, that's what he can do. If he's excessively struggling or excessively doing something, say the person is already handcuffed and laying on the ground and he's still kicking that person, that's excessive use of force and that's a violation. So that's what we have to start taking a look at. So the media needs to take more responsibility for certain things that they're showing. It makes everybody mad and it can also get you potentially hurt from that anger. With all that, we don't condone violence on either side. Force has to be used to effect an arrest, but only the force that's necessary. Excessive force is against the law. Now, if you fight the police, you will not win. Understand that. Fighting on the side of the road will not get you anything but a loss. Fight that in court. If the officer is displaying behavior that's unbecoming of an officer, report it. If he or she is unprofessional, tell his supervisor. If his supervisor doesn't do anything about it, tell their supervisor. Get it in court. Fight it in court. If you get hurt, get an attorney. Fight it in court. Do not fight on the street. They can change the laws and they will change the law to make it even harder for you and give the police more leeway than they already have. If you continue the types of behavior and thinking it's OK 
Those videos are not, how can I say this? Those videos showing the police beating you up are just as bad as you having videos where people get into the fights with the police. It's all the same stuff. It all has to be negated and uprooted. You cannot win a battle on the side of the street. Don't fight the police in the streets. Take it to the court. I reiterate, go to court. We need to retrain the police in certain aspects to become better at dealing with normal people. I'm not talking about real bad people, real criminals. We also need to retrain normal people to understand the job so they'll know that when they meet an officer who's really doing his job, they won't get him confused with somebody who's really not, like the officer that shot Antoine Rose when he intentionally did that act, according to the district attorney. Once you have all the facts and know how it works, the better all will be. We'll be back after this break. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. And again, we thank you for tuning in for another Uproot on Air every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. And we also want to say happy early 4th of July. Everybody stay safe tomorrow and have fun and love your families. We will continue to build bridges to a better way of doing things. Don't forget to go to our website, talk about us, www.uproot.com. INC the number one dot com. That's www.uproot.inc the number one dot com. Don't forget to go to the website, hit the links to follow us, share us, go to our pages and share all of our comments, videos, links, like us on all our social media outlets Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're trying to build awareness for this movement to change lives by changing behavior, to change thoughts. We want to inspire you to rethink, to uproot. Again, soon we'll be adding a YouTube channel, so look for that. Again, every Tuesday, 8 o'clock, Uproot on air. And I'm your host, Antoine Dean. See you next time. Have a good one.